0: Recording this because she's blown and so her mom asked a question. It's a YouTube video. That's got over 25 million hits And the reason that the girl is crying wait for it. Wait for It's not because someone's taking her toys It's not because someone has died, but she says very clearly. I'm in love with Justin Bieber (laughs) Mom asked her why are you crying and she says, because I'm in love with Justin Bieber Why is that something to cry over she said because he loves me? So in love. I mean, three years old. This girl's three years old and is feeling for whatever she understands what love is, is feeling this this idea that she is in love with Justin Bieber. The video went absolutely viral. So much so to the point that guess who she actually one day gets is able to meet Justin Justin Bieber. The greatest day of her life. Why? Because she is absolutely, totally in love with Justin Bieber. And here's what this teaches me. The easiest thing for anybody to do is fall in love. Everybody can fall in love. As a matter of fact, when I do a lot of premarital counseling uh, at my church, and actually we don't like to call it premarital counseling, we actually like to call it pre-engagement counseling. Because usually when you're ready to get married, no matter what I show you, your mind is pretty much made up. So you might as well do it after after the wedding because you're going to do it anyway. (laughs) So we like to do pre-engagement, so just in case you might need to think some things through. Because our philosophy is that by the time you ask someone to marry you, you should be getting ready to be married the next day. Only reason you need to wait is to save up a little more money. But the engagement period is not a time to figure out if they're still the one. I hope you all listen to me. So, so in my pre-engagement counseling, one of the, the things I love to do, and of course I will do the premarital uh, if couples are really coming to me. But one of the things I love to ask them is, tell me the story about how you fell in love. Man, those stories are off the chain, aren't they? Some of you love those stories where you're talking to the couples or you're hearing the couples that have been married for a little while, and they tell you about how they met in high school, how they met maybe at the church picnic or at the football game, and and then some are embarrassed to tell me the stories about how they met in the club. I'm like, it's all good. Y'all not there anymore. (laughs) How they met in different places, but I love hearing the stories about how these couples have fell in love. It's just incredible. It's incredible to hear how they looked at one another and they saw something in one another. They've been friends for years. I love hearing the stories about how people have fallen in love. But let me tell you the stories I don't hear often enough. I hear from all the couples about how they have fallen in love, but the the stories that I don't hear from couples are the stories about how they're still in love. All the time. Hear about people falling in love, but the stories that I don't hear are the stories about the couples that stay in love. And to be quite honest, for all of you who are dating who are maybe single, who are maybe single by choice or, or single because you've just gotten a divorce or some, as your spouse, maybe whatever it is, has passed away, that's what scares you about your new relationship. It's not the fact that you don't think you can fall in love. You know that's easy. But what scares you is what you are feeling now in your relationship where you still feel it years later. What you're feeling now, will you feel it later on down the night? Everybody can fall in love, but it's very difficult to stay in love. And here's the thing that we've got to understand about God today. God is not impressed with longevity. There are a lot of us who really think we're impressing God and impressing people around because I love it. I ask people this question all the time. How long have you been married? And they say, oh, I've been married 40 years. Like, I'm supposed to be all impressed. Then I ask them another question. How long have you been in love? Because there's a lot of people who, can, who have been together for 40 years but have been in love for 10 and we think somehow in our twisted mind. I need you to hear me very carefully today because we're going somewhere. We think somehow in our twisted mind. I believe that sometimes what we've grown up in and what the church has kind of taught us, that if we stay together, that that's victory. Right, right, right. But there's a lot of us who are staying together, but you are not in love. And what God expects is not for individuals to simply stay together. God wants you to stay in love. I'm talking nose wide open love. I'm talking the garage door opens and you're running downstairs because you can't wait to meet them coming in. I'm talking love so much so to the point that throughout the day, you texting them when you're at your cubicle and when you're sitting there at home because you've just got to stay connected. I'm talking about staying in love. Because what God is impressed with, I need you to hear me today, is not simply people who are staying together, but people who are in love forever. Because I want to tell you something. This is going to be one of our taglines today. I've got two of them that I want you to, to, to get. Falling in love requires a pulse. Staying in love requires a plan. Falling in love requires a pulse. Staying in love requires a plan. Here's the problem. If you're living and breathing, you have a pulse. Anybody can fall in love. But staying in love requires a plan. That makes sense to me here. Say amen. amen. Now, here's why the, the sermon... And what you've been doing becomes so important when you've been talking about relationships. Because some of y'all sitting here like, well, I'm not married. I'm not in a relationship. How is this sermon going to apply to me? Here's one of the reasons I love preaching on relationships. This is why it's one of the most popular series, Why Opposites Attract. uh, that, That This is one sermon taken from there that we have at the church. Because here's what I found. That every principle that applies to your relationship with another human being is the same principle that applies to your relationship with Jesus Christ. See, people try and make this relationship with Jesus, and again, I'm more of a teacher than a preacher. They make this relationship with Jesus so difficult. But here's the thing. The same principles that you need to have a successful marriage are the same principles you need to have a successful relationship with Jesus Christ. Same things apply. As a matter of fact, this thing about Jesus is all about what happens in relationships. Because one of the things that I found is the glue that holds your relationship together is intimacy. You gotta be intimate, not just physical intimacy, but intimacy. Just stay with me. And it's incredible what the Bible describes heaven like or eternal life. John 17, 3. And this is life eternal that they may know you. Greek word, gonosco, in English translation, intimacy. Jesus makes it very clear eternal life is intimacy with Jesus Christ. See, you've been duped into thinking eternal life is heaven. Where you're walking on streets of gold, that ain't it, that's a place. But eternal life is a relationship with Jesus Christ. Therefore, if it's me and Jesus in a box, that's eternal life for me. I don't need streets of gold, I just need to be intimate with God. And the same intimacy with God, which requires time, effective communication, is the same kind of intimacy that's going to help my relationship with my spouse. My boyfriend or my girlfriend are following me. But here's what we also find is very interesting about God that happens with other people. Falling in love with Jesus is easy. That's easy. Everybody falls in love with God at some point. 9-11 happened. Everybody loved Jesus after that. Showing up to church, Jesus, Jesus, we got to have Jesus, got to be with Jesus. Why? Because some tragedy happens. Someone dies in your family, Jesus, Jesus, I want to be with Jesus. You go to a federation, come down, crying to the appeal, Jesus, 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 in love with Jesus. We all fall in love with Jesus, but the question is, are we still in love with Jesus? See, that's the problem in the church. Not people who have fallen in love, but not enough who stay in love with one another and with God. That's what we're missing. And Christ is like, there is something that I want to give you that will help you stay in love with each other and with me forever. And that's why he cries out to one of the churches in Philadelphia. He says, yo, you guys have lost your first love. And that's where a lot of us are if we're honest with ourselves. At one point in time in your Christian experience, you've fallen in love with God, but you don't love him the same way that you do anymore. You just don't. Yes, you come here. Yes, you go here. Yes, you attend. Yes, you sing. Just like there's a lot of couples who pay the same bills, live under the same roof, but don't love each other. Because God's about, I'm not just about you saying you're with me. Be in love with me. Nose open for Jesus Christ. Can't wait to crack open the word because you're going to be at the one you love. Can't wait to rush here to the house of God. Doesn't matter what day it is, as long as it's open, because I just want to be around God. And I want to be around His people. Why? Because I'm that in love with Jesus Christ. Falling in love requires a pulse, staying in love requires a plan. Y'all sit with this preacher so far. Now, here's the difficult part, and I'm going to get to it. I'm going to get to Here's the difficult part about staying in love. We don't have a lot of examples of what that looks like. What what God set up in the institution in the human family was this to be a laboratory of love so that the children growing up in that family could look and see what a loving relationship is supposed to look like. That's what they're supposed to see. And then what they do is based on what they have seen, they then go out and look for the same thing. Maybe it looks different as far as it doesn't have to be the exact same way, but they're looking for love. But, but, but here's the issue. Most individuals have not grown up in homes where, number one, both parents are there. Yes, yeah, or if both parents were there, you saw them stick together, but you didn't see them love. That's, it. Right That's it, man. Yes. So this why just having two parents in the home is not enough. And so now I want you to see the picture of, of what ends up taking place. I've got one person here who's grown up in a home. They don't see love. Another person who's grown up in a completely different home. They really have not seen love. They've seen their parents stay together, but they haven't seen them love one another. They, so this couple over here, their parents have broken up. And now we go through our, our different lives and eventually we connect. Now, what are we passing on to the next generation? Are y'all still with me? And so some professionals, watch this, some professionals have come up with a list of things of what it takes for a child and what they need to see inside of the home to carry it from one place of their lives into the next phase. And here's those lists of things. Some of you might want to write these down, so I'm going to go uh, somewhat slow. But here's what they said in order for you to have a successful, long-lasting, loving relationship you have to see in your home. Respect. So, what they got to see. They have to see respect amongst two individuals. Number two, they need to see encouragement. They've got to see encouragement. They've got to see two individuals encouraging one another, lifting one another up. They also have to see comfort. There's comfort. Let me ask a question. Is there comfort for you to fail in your home? Not because we want to encourage failing, but I remember what John says. Brethren, I pray that you don't sin. But if you do. You've got to advocate with the Father. Is there a level of comfort in your home where you can be you? Uh, do you have security? They need to see security. They need to see support. They need to see acceptance. They need to see approval. They need to see appreciation. They need attention. And they need affection. Affection. And what professionals have found is when individuals have grown up in homes where they've seen this between parents, they then take that into their new relationship. And when they hook up with someone else who has seen it, the cycle now begins anew where we begin to spread these things throughout our families. But let's be honest, we don't have that kind of stuff in our homes. And then we wonder why our children, we get so bent out of shape when our teenagers are bringing home knuckleheads. Cause y'all knuckleheads. You just happen to be knuckleheads who go to church. And knuckleheads who have decided not to get a divorce, because as my boy's nickname is, cheaper, it's cheaper to keep her. Because if you'd afford it, you'd be gone. If you didn't think the church would look differently at you, you'd be gone. But you're not staying because you're in love, you're staying out of a necessity. And the kids see that and they don't get the affection, they don't get the attention because how can you give something to somebody else that you're not getting from a spouse? Help me, Jesus. And then they go and repeat the thing over and over and over and over again. And the reason the church is a mess is not all the time because of poor leadership or because of pastors or because we're in the last days or because of all this stuff. But Ellen White says in Adventist home that the success and the well-being of society is dependent upon home influences. You want to fix the church? Fix the families. We've got to learn how to stay in love. So Jesus, Jesus helps us out with this a little bit. Jesus helps us out with this. When you look, though, at the the word love, and and here's what he does. He tells them something crazy. He says, a new commandment I give you. A new commandment. Now, they're probably like, okay, what haven't we heard? What haven't we heard? We've heard it all pretty much Jesus, but we're willing to hear it. A new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And he's like... I can see the disciples, well, yeah, what's new about that? What's new? We know we're supposed to love one another. That's what what we're taught. We're taught all the time. We hear it all the time. Love one another. But he adds something to it. And this is what makes it new. As I have loved you. Yo, that changes the game, y'all. He's all, here's the new command. Y'all know to love one another. That's all good. He said, but now you're going to do it the way I love you. And so now, everything that's funneled and considered love must be seen through the eyes of the way Christ loves us. Everything. Because he says it's a new commandment. Don't just love one another, but I'm adding something to it. Love like I. As I. And I love the Greek phrasing there. Not somewhat like I. Not kind of like I. But just as. So he says, love just asks, and he does something even crazy here with the word love, because if you look up love in the dictionary, it's actually written as a noun. Love is written as a noun. But Jesus here in the Greek doesn't use love as a noun, but he uses it as a verb, because here's the thing I think Jesus is trying to get us to do. You fall in love with a noun, you stay in love with the verb. Fall in love with the noun. But you'll stay in love with the verb. But the Greek here for the word love, outside of just agape, because I know y'all know that. Y'all know that. But the Greek here just gets ridiculous. And here's where we're really going to get into it, how to stay in love forever. But agapal, this word that Jesus used in John 13, verse 34, is broken down in this way. It's a verb, present, active, subjunctive. Yeah, we're going to get to that. We didn't go to seminary for nothing. Come on, somebody. But here's what's interesting. The first part, let's break down each portion of that. Let's break down each portion of that. I love how y'all have not placed a clock in front of me. So I'm just going to go until y'all fall asleep. No, I'm teasing. (laughs) But, but, But here it is how you describe it in the Greek as a verb. A word that describes an action, of course, makes sense. We know that. A state of being. Or I love this. The production of a result. Love produces results. So... Here's the question I gotta ask you about your relationship. What results has your relationship produced? What is it? Because if we honest, if we're honest with ourselves, our relationships with our spouse, with our boyfriends or girlfriends have not produced loving, godly results. But yet we call it love. But yet we declare we're in love. And the idea is that if you love somebody, love ought to produce something that can show it's real love. Mm. Uh Since what you got to be careful throwing that word around. I just got to be real with you, because if you say you love somebody, then the results of that love ought to be tangible for the people who are watching that relationship grow. See, I have no problem with my young people. Some of y'all young people, teenagers, dating, maybe even in college, dating, and you look and you say you love somebody. I'm all good with that. Show me what that love has done. And not only what it's done, but what has it done that is godly. Because remember, love one another as I have loved you. So watch this. If I declare that I'm loving someone, whether it's a spouse, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, whatever that is, the results of that relationship ought to produce some godly fruit. And if love has, if your relationship has not produced anything godly, I'm going to tell you something. You ain't in love. You're in something. But you're not in love. Folks, this thing messed me up because love must produce something. Hence the reason I love how this connects to your relationship with Jesus Christ, because it gets on my nerves. How many of us can say we love God and not see the results of the love? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I love God, love him all the time. But what has the love done? Are you more forgiving now? Are you kinder now? Are you more understanding now? Do you study more now? Do you connect with God now? Do you forgive people more now? No, but I love God. Then you aren't in love because love will always produce a result. Now, here's the thing I got to tell you. Our relationships produce stuff, but it's not godly stuff. But love will always produce godly results. I, I, I'm going I'm to take this a little, a little further. Love should produce godly children. She like to get on the kids and how crazy they are, but let me ask you, were they conceived and put together in love? Because love produces a godly result. I hope you all are listening to me. Because now as you start to look at your relationship, and here's one of the things I hope that you would do, whether you're married, dating, in the process, or thinking about getting married, you ask yourself the question, when I'm going to be with this person, and we come together in love, what will be the result that we produce to the world? What is it? And if it's not something that is godly and that shows the love of God in some shape, form, or fashion, then maybe I don't need to get with that person. Because when I get with them, whoever I get with, I want to produce something worth producing. Does that make sense, everybody? See, here's what I'm learning just about relationships and us staying in love forever. In this idea, and I'm young in this thing, y'all, just so you all stop guessing, I'm 32. But, 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 but the idea is what I'm learning, and, and this is what my struggle is. My relationship with my spouse is not just for me. Amen. The results that we produce as a result of being together are fruits that should have a positive effect on the world. That's right. not, they just should. Hence the reason our relationships reflect the image of God. Mm. Are y'all listening to this? So ask yourself the question, love, as this verb, is supposed to produce something. But if you're in love with a noun, you'll just stay there and be a noun, a thing. That sits around and does nothing. He also says this, it's not only a verb, but it's in the present tense. The, 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 The tense of the writer portrays an action or a process or a state of being, watch this, with no assessment of the action's completion. Love does not have a time in which the action will be completed. Jesus is presenting it as something that does not end, but is ongoing. Love is something that Jesus is making very clear, that as long as you're in the relationship with that individual, love does not stop. It's not something that stops based on what is going on in its surroundings. It's not based on outside influences. It's based on the fact that because love within itself is a verb, it not only will do something, but because it's in the present tense, it doesn't stop doing what it does. <sighs> love doesn't stop doing what it does. And love is going to look different based on who you're with and the relationship that you're in. We'll get on that. But whatever it is that you are claiming is love, it doesn't stop. It keeps on going. I love what one hip-hop artist said. I thought I told you that we won't stop. Thought I told you that we won't stop. Regardless of what you do, the love that I have, if it's the love that God is talking about, ain't gonna stop. It's gonna keep on going. Because it's in the present tense. It's in the active tense as well, which means it signifies something that is actually taking place. It's not this theoretical thing where we can go to somebody and say, well, you know, I, I love them, but I really don't like them. Yeah, so in other words, listen to me carefully, folks. Love is an ongoing process. It does not end. And here's the other thing that I love about this present uh, tense here. It means that love is constantly growing. Yeah. Oh, it's moving in a certain direction. And does not stop moving in that direction. Let me tell you the biggest problem with not only Christians, but with this thing called love, is we don't grow. We stay right there. And here's some of the the, the reason that we don't grow, is because your right there looks better than a lot of other people's right there. So you're you're okay with that. You're excited about that because you're like, our right there is better than sister so-and-so's right there. So we're going to stay just right here. And God's like, no, that's not love. That's not in the present tense because the present tense says we're right here, but we're going to get right there. And even though right here is good, we know over there is better. And we're going to keep growing and growing and growing and growing and growing in love. We don't stop. And part of the reason we don't stay in love forever is because some of us, two things happen. I need you to hear me carefully. Some of us like to stay in one spot or there's one of us that wants to grow and the other one doesn't. So one is trying to stretch, and they're like, yo, we got to stay in love. we got to be in love. Let's travel. Let's do these different things. Let's be intentional. Let's do all these kinds of things to make sure that our love grows, and one isn't interested in that. And so one grows on, and if I had time to preach another sermon, they'd grow in love with someone else. That's one of the things why I love doing the pre-engagement stuff, because you need to see if the person you're about to hook up with is someone who likes to grow. Because I'm telling you, there's going to come a point. Y'all going to be in love, 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 going to be in, love, be in there you go. There you go. There you go. I see it all the time. And you'll be disappointed. If that makes sense when you say amen. amen. It's also written here in the subjunctive mood, the mood that normally presents the verbal action. And the verbal action is what, everybody? Love. There you go. Somebody's with me. The mood that normally presents the verbal action as being probable, or I love this next part, intentional. Jesus is saying the idea of love and loving is intentional. It doesn't automatically happen. You don't automatically stay in love. There is something intentional that must take place as a result of you saying that you love somebody. Does that make sense, everybody? So Jesus is making something abundantly clear that love is about doing. It's not it's not doing like this. Some some folks in here saying, well, well, you know, if I if, if you know we're not supposed to earn salvation, all that stuff. You don't love in order to earn something. You love and do because that's what love does. It does. Yeah. Does that make sense? See, when you do out of love, you're just doing what love does. So watch this. The one way to stay in love forever is to love. The way you stay in love forever is love. Because love, within the way that Jesus has just presented it, does something. And the reason we don't stay in love, I'm going to tell you, we stop doing. Mm-hmm. On, down. You're not in love anymore because you're not doing what love does. And the less you love, the less you'll be in love. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. That's yeah, yeah. I'm sorry if y'all were looking for something like <laughs> something. deeper than that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But the reason you're not in love it's because you stopped loving. And that's why Jesus says, "Love as "I've loved." Because the way that people stay in love with Christ and while we can't resist him eventually, is because he doesn't stop loving. Yes. He's relentless in his love. And he's so relentless on this thing that the Bible says that while we were yet sinners, he still does. Tell me, Jesus. Tell me, Jesus. Why do you think you're still blessed when you sin? Why, 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 why do you think it is you haven't gotten age yet? It's God doing something trying to show you that you love. Now, somebody's going to say something else. Well, what about if got guy? He's doing something. He's always doing. And that's one of the reasons why the devil can never win because when things go bad, it's God trying to show you how much he loves you. When they go well, it's trying to show him how much he loves you. And that's why Joseph can say, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Because God can't do anything but love. And that's why our hearts break when we finally fall under the auspices of His love. Because He doesn't stop. And the way that we stay in love with Him is to continually love Him. That's why I tell folks, say, Well, I'm not feeling this. I don't care what you feel. Do. Yo, can I be real with y'all? Y'all might be uncomfortable with this thing. But the fact of the matter is, Jesus at one point did not feel like going to the cross. He was sitting in Gethsemane saying, Hey, if there's any way that I cannot do this, let it pass from me. Nevertheless, because I love. I might not feel it, but love is going to make me do it. Talking about you don't feel like this and you don't feel like that in your home and you don't feel like this when it comes to God and you don't feel like this and feel like that. Do! And the feeling will catch up to your action. Why do you think Jesus makes it so clear? Where your treasure is, that's where your heart is. He says if you do something, your heart will catch up to what you're doing. The way to love, stay in love, love. is to love. (laughs) And somewhere along the line in your relationship with God and your relationship with your spouse, you stopped loving. And the moment you stopped doing, you stopped feeling. But now you're in this crazy cycle. Because now you're waiting for the feeling so you can do the doing. But what you don't understand is you're not going to get the feeling until you start doing the doing. The way to stay in love is to love. Now, I can't just leave you with that. Because falling in love requires a, requires a pulse. Staying in love requires a what? A plan. So guess what I want to give you tonight, today before we go? I'm going to give you a very specific plan that I think just works incredibly for you to implement and apply so that you can stay in love. Now, I want everybody to just clear your mind for a moment. Just clear your mind. Clear your mind. Don't worry we're not going to do any transcendental meditation or anything like that. <laughs> clear your mind. Your mind's clear? Yes. All right, I want you to open right now your love bank. Open your love bank. I don't know whatever you want to call it. House of Love, Kelly's House of Love Bank, whatever it is. Open up your love bank. You see it? You got your bank open? Now, here's the thing. Even if you hadn't opened it or not, everybody has a love bank. And here's what you're going to find about yourself as a human being. You operate at your maximum capacity when your account is full. That's when you're the best. I mean, that's how it is with our lives, right? I mean, when your bank account is full, when that paycheck comes, and you look at that account, you're like, yes! I got it. I mean, yo, come on, y'all, be real. Even if you ain't making that much, but when the account is full, I mean, it's just something about life. you not as worried. Now, 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 when it's empty, now, I might not have done anything to you, but you treat me different when your account's empty. You stink with me when your account's empty. Now, I, ain't, I, I don't have nothing on your account, but you treat me different because your account's empty. You stink with me. Well, you know, my day ain't this. I'm like, dude. So here's the idea with our love bank. When your love bank is full, you're at maximum capacity. That's the best. And so the goal is listen to me carefully the goal is to make sure that your love bank is always full. That's it. So you open up this account. Now, now, here's the thing when, when it comes uh, to, to this love bank um, there are people who we allow in our lives that when you allow them in your lives, you allow them into your love bank. Now, here's the interesting thing about the people you allow into your life. You allow them to make deposits, but they can also make withdrawals. And some people you allow in your life make more withdrawals than they do deposits. Watch this. There are some people that you meet and your account is full and then you leave them and it's in the negative. And then the good brother or sister comes by and they got to deal with your negative account self. And you scare them away because they don't like to deal with folk who got negative accounts. I hope y'all following me. And then talk about there ain't enough people in the church. There's plenty of people in the church, but they just don't want to deal with your negative accounts. And the reason the account is negative is because of the people you allow to come in and sign on your bank. So I I just want to say, as you open this account... And you recognize that you're full when you're at maximum capacity. Listen to me carefully. There are some people that you know who are pulling out more than they put in. I'm asking you to do something real crazy take them off your accounts. Like, just. Now, I'm gonna be transparent. When I grew up, I, I was in this, uh, I, I, there was a bank, I can't remember the name, I think it was in Citadel Bank, and, and because of some stuff, I forgot to, to, to close this account, and it had a negative balance in Berry Springs. so they put me in this thing called Check Systems. Yeah. Some of y'all know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So because my account was negative here, they wouldn't allow me to open it in other places. Yeah. Yeah. And there were some folks that you need to do, and here's what you need to do. If you know somebody who is constantly putting your account in the negative, put them in check systems. For seven years, I had to work my way around trying to get into another account. And there are some people, they're going to keep trying, they're going to keep trying, they're going to keep trying, but you got to say to yourself, no, because when I let you on this account, you keep pulling out, and when you pull out, I'm a worse person. Okay, I'm off that now, I'm off that. Now, here's the, thing about, here's the thing about this. When you're with somebody, there are different things that they do that can make positive deposits into your account. We're talking about staying in love with a plan. And so what you want to do as an individual is I want to figure out. We don't have time to get to this talk. There's an excellent book, Gary Chapman, Five Love Language. I'm almost positive you guys have gone over that before. But what I want to do is I'm going to find out with the person I'm with. What kinds of things put deposits in your accounts? And not only am I going to find out what kinds of things, but I want to know what are the bigger deposits? Because, see, we can all make little deposits here and there, but let me tell you something with, 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 with my wife. If I take out trash, do all that stuff, that, that's a deposit. That's a cool deposit. It's one of the deposits. She's like, thank you, you know, cool. Thank you, baby. But if tomorrow I turn off football, and yeah, I mean, that's like opening up the floodgates. Yeah, that's, boom. Her account is loaded. So here's the thing I don't have to take out the trash all week long. But if on Sunday, I just say, you know, boo, I'm just going to spend the day with you. No football. Boom, that loads up. Does that make sense, everybody? So some of us get frustrated because we're like, man, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, I'm doing this, but yet it still doesn't seem to always be enough. It's not that what you're doing isn't important, but there are some things that are more important. And if I want to stay in love, I'm not only going to do the things that are important, but I'm going to do the things that are more important. And here's the catcher. Those things might stretch me a little further than those little things. But what's important is I know that you're at maximum capacity. When the account is full. And so my job as a spouse is not to worry about my account. Help me, Jesus. My job is to make sure her account is always full. Are y'all following this? Now, just like I can make a deposit as a spouse, I can also make a withdrawal. And, and here's what's incredible as well. The same principle applies. I can do a hundred things right, but let me say I'm coming home at seven and get home at 10. All the stuff that I did, that I put in the account, withdrawal, withdrawal, gone, Because for her, her love language is quality time. You could have bought me all this, could have done all this, could have sung to me a song, sang the song, did a jig, danced, all that, but you weren't with me when you said you were Now, here's what you get caught up on. We argue about you didn't appreciate the other stuff, and you let all this one thing erase all the other. What I'm going to suggest, instead of arguing over that, recognize that's what's the most important thing. So I'm not going to deal with all that. Well, you don't appreciate what I did and you don't remember how I did this, that, and the other. That's immaterial. What matters is at that moment, her account is empty. And so now it's my job. It's my job to fill it again. Now, imagine two people operating on full accounts. Let me tell you something about your relationship. You're going to make withdrawals, but the one way I keep my account in the positive is I make more deposits than I do withdrawals. I'm not perfect. I'm going to make mistakes. I'm going to disappoint you. I'm going to make a withdrawal, but you better know that for every withdrawal that I make, I'ma go back and I'ma study that thing. I'ma look at it and say, now how can I fill this account again? And here's the kicker. I don't care if you're not filling mine. Because I know something crazy. The best way for me to get my account full is if yours is full first. That's the best way. How can I expect you to fill me when you aren't full? And so the plan that I want y'all to have, here's I want you to do. I'm giving you some homework. If you could play softly for me, please. Fall in love with Jesus. I want you to play fall in love with Jesus, please, if you know that. Play for me, please, if you know that. But, 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 but here's, here's, here's the thing I want you to do when you go home. For those of you who are married, those of you who are dating, Here's what I want you to do. Here's the plan. You're in love. I know y'all. You fell in love. But now you want to make sure you stay there. You stay there. I want you to go sit down. This is your homework. This is what you must do. Sit down and say, boo, honey, baby, whatever you call them. Tell me the things that make your account full. Tell me the things that make your account full. Not the things that make me comfortable. Not the things that I've simply been doing, but babe, have you been full? No, I haven't. So let me share with you very quickly what it is. And then you're going to turn around and say, now, what are the things that make your account full? And then after you both understand what those things are, I'm asking you to do something really crazy. Do it. Because let me tell you something about your God. I'm calling somebody to something today. I'm calling somebody to something today. Jesus has got a love account too. And there are some of us for too long who have only been concerned about him filling our accounts. Let me tell you something crazy. Jesus made one deposit that he never has to do anything else again. Because when he said on the cross, Father, into thy hands, I love the Greek, I deposit my spirits. That filled everybody's account with everything they need. But Jesus has an account too. Because Jesus, as big and sovereign and awesome as he is, wants to be loved too. But here's the thing that's crazy about it the things that he asked us to do to fill his accounts Just too much for some of us. But we've got the audacity to say, hey, God, 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 give me this and give me that and fill me this and fill me that. And Jesus says, well, you know what? I've got an account too. But Jesus even understood something. He says, before I ask, I'm going to fill you up first. But today, God is asking Oh, I'm humbled by this thing. He is asking for our love. God is saying, can you love me? Can you, no, no. Can you love me like this? Like I want you to love one another. Like I'm loving you. Can you love me that way? Can you ask me, hey God, what are the things that fill your account? He says, cool, I've got this really big book that will show you. He says, you know what fills my account? When that person who's talking about you in church, you reconcile with them. Man, my account is filled. What what really fills my account is that person that that you cannot stand. At one time when you used to gossip about them at at Sabbath lunch, now you're on your knees crying out to me about them. My account is full. When when you're praying with your family together, that fills my account. When you're in church and the life that you have in church is just like the life you have when nobody else is looking. I am filled with that. But today there's somebody under the sound of my voice. And Brother Heffler, I'm going to ask if you could just start getting ready to sing for us. There's somebody today that is just falling right now. You feel it. The love of God is just on you right now. It is just on you decisions you were thinking about making now you're thinking differently because you feel the love of this God is just relentlessly been pursuing you and finally in this service it is caught up to you and God has grabbed you and has declared I am so in love with you and can we just have this loving intimate relationship with one another he's calling somebody to that today so my first appeal is this if there is somebody under the sound of my voice who has been tinkering around with Jesus, but today he stopped you, his love has stopped you dead in his tracks. And you want to surrender to this love. And you haven't done this before. I want you to slip out of your seat. And I know there's people watching online and I know there's people here. But I want you to come down to the front. You've never given this thing over to Jesus.